Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. What's up, guys? My name is, uh, if I don't know you, my name is Eric Gill. I'm one of the pastors here at Maranatha. I help leading in the high school ministry. I see a lot of new faces, so it's kind of nice to be get back here. I haven't been here since what, Mike? Since last year, right? Nah, not really, but uh, it's always cool to be here. And I should tell you, um, Ethan used to help leading uh, worship on Sundays, and I really did miss him leading. But I also was encouraged by you guys singing. Uh, which, which is kind of sweet, so keep going that, you know, keep doing that. Uh, if you didn't know this, I, I, people make fun of me because I always share this, but I feel like the need that I have to have a disclaimer. If you didn't know this, I am originally from the Dominican Republic. That, there I said it, right? It took, to your surprise, yeah. You have never heard me say that before. Uh, <laughs> like, it comes to shock to some of you. Now, one of the most choking things uh, to me when I came, first came to America was this uh, the way that in the American culture you pursue each other when it comes to dating. It was very shocking to me. So you see, when I grew up, when I, when I was younger, the way that I was imprinted or the way that I was taught that you pursue a girl is that you go to her, you tell her, hey, I like you. If she said yes, then you are dating. If she said no, then you move on to the next one. That's how I was imprinted, right? That's what I had thought it was. So when I first came to America, and at first, I wasn't trying to get for my green card. I promise that was not my goal. I did get it. It was it's nice. But at first, that was not a goal. And I remember my first year of college, I didn't date anybody. I met it a purpose. I was like, I don't like green guys. I mean, they're different and stuff. And then my second year, I saw a girl that I thought it was cute. And then I saw another girl that thought it was cute, and I was in a very tough position. So I did what any good man would have done in my position. So I went to both of them, and I said, hey, I like you. And uh, you know, have you guys seen the movie or the show Helmington, right? Helmington, the most musical. There's like a scene. Helmington, yeah, nailed it. Nailed it, yeah. Helmington, hey, how are you saying? You know it. Anyways, there is a song where the guy goes and says, like, you know, I don't want to miss my shot, right? I felt that was my lifestyle, right? I don't want to miss my shots. So I took both, right? Uh, I did miss my shots. Both of them said no. But I was, so I was uh, introduced to something there. I, re- I, I was taught that there is a thing called DTR, right? And I didn't know that what that was. And apparently the way that DTR works is that before you can have that moment, you have to work your way into that conversation, so you don't just go to someone and say, hey, I like you. At least that's what I was told. Hey, I like you. Instead, you have to treat them so You have to treat them nice. You have to, uh, you know, go all of your, out of your way to make sure that they know that you care about them. And all these different tasks that you have to do in order to be able to have that conversation just for her to tell you no, right? Uh, so I was imprinted with that. And like some of you, if, you have, if you're dating, you know that. You know the, what I'm talking about, the DTR. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably haven't dated. And some of you have tried and it hasn't worked, Nolan. And so that, that, that has been the case, right? So the reason why I bring this up is because when you look at the passage that we're going to be covering today, which is in the book of 2 Corinthians, you're going to see that Paul is going to define his relationship with God. 
He's going to define why he does what he does. So in the context, if, if you didn't know this, when it comes to reading the Bible, context is key to be able to understand or to be able to interpret the, the, the passages the right way. In the context of the book, he's writing to a church in Corinth. Now, the church of Corinth was a church that they were immersed in a terrible culture. It was a wicked culture in the sense that they, they were devoted to the pursuit of their, of their uh, desires. They were willing to do whatever it takes to get their desires. And a lot of it had to deal with sexual desires. There was a lot of loss in the culture. There was a lot of conflict. And so this is the second letter that Paul is writing to this church that if you were to read the letter one, you will see how tough or how uh, immersed this church was in their culture. In the second letter, you see that there is some progress happening. But still, there was still some conflict in there. They were still having issues because they were so immersed in the culture. Now, Paul is writing this. And in the portion that we're going to be reading, which is in chapter 5, he, you, you can tell that he's dealing with some opposition. Some people were suggesting that he was going crazy. Some people started to think that Paul was losing his mind because of the way that he was behaving. And in doing so, he writes in the next few verses that we're going to be reading, his defense to these people. So let me join with me as we read. Verse, uh, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 5, verse 13, it says, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live may not longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him those no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them and entrusting them to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20. Therefore, we are an ambassador for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you have here uh, Paul writing this uh, letter to a church, like I said, that was immersed in a culture. But before we can even understand his appeal, we have to understand who Paul was. Paul was a person that in the Bible when we are first introduced by him, the setting where he was, he was in front of a crowd that was ready to kill somebody. And we're told that he's the guy who is holding the garment of this individual that was going to get stoned because of his sharing of the faith. This person named uh, Steve, Stephen, right, Mike? Yeah, Stephen, Elder. Stephen, he's there proclaiming the message of the gospel. He's talking about God. He's talking about who God is and what he has to do. And we're told that the crowd didn't like what he was saying. So they gathered around him and started stoning him. Well, this is happening. All of his clothes were given to Paul and Paul is holding it. Then we're talking about, we continue to learn more about Paul and how he was an avid persecutor of the church. He was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. He was prestige. He was one of the prestige leaders of the culture at the time. And he was devoted 
for what he thought it was right. And he was willing to kill people. He was willing to persecute and to go to the extreme because he thought that it was right. And then we're introduced this story or the events of his encounter with Jesus. And as he was riding on the road to Damascus, he uh, light blinds him to the point that he knocks him to the floor. And in there he hears the voice of Jesus asking him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And in that moment he recognized who he's talking. And we're told how from that moment on for a few years, Jesus directly ministered to him. And Paul then becomes the apostle that we have here. Now, the reason why Paul behaves the way that he has behaved, because as you read his story, you will see that many times he will go to a town and proclaim the message of the gospel. And as soon as he proclaimed the message of the gospel, people will be so mad at him because he was so against the culture that they will either stone him or kick him out of the town. You will think that Paul will give up, but instead we're told that he will continue to go to the next city. And that was his story. Or Paul will get beat up, left to dead, and the next day he will wake up and go to the next uh, place to preach the message of the gospel. He will get put in prison, which back then was not something nice. It was terrible. And he will get in prison, be there, left there, be beat up, and then the next day he will go out and proclaim the message of the gospel. So this is the kind of life that he's living. Those people around him that are witnessing this message or this, his actions... They're starting to talk about themselves and start to say, this guy is losing his mind. He's not in his right mind. In the verses that we just read, we're told his defense. You see, Paul experienced the message of the gospel. Or as we see it here, the message of reconciliation. And it is this message in that you and I are unable to have a relationship with God because of sin. When sin enters the world, you and I can no longer have a relationship with God because God is holy and sin cannot be in his presence. He is holy. And because of that, he provided a way of, re- of reconciling you and me to him by providing Jesus, his son, his begotten son, to die on the cross for your mistakes and my mistake. So that through the sacrifice on the cross of Jesus... And three, in the fact that he rose three days later from the dead, you and I can be reconciled for this message, through this message. Now, Paul understood this message. He experienced it. He could tell in his life that he himself was a sinner. And if you read all other, other epistles, all the other part of his writings, you can see his heart, how he felt that this message had transformed his life. He understands the gravity of him being separated from God, of not being able to have an, a, a relationship with God, and how miraculous and beneficial it was the message of Jesus on the cross. That through that message, he was able to be reconciled with God. And as Paul is addressing these people, he goes to say, it's this message that, I, that has been given to us that we cannot contain it. It is this message of reconciliation that we have to share with others with the hope, he says, that you will be able to experience it yourself. So the reason why I brought up earlier this idea of DTR is because I believe that it's healthy for everyone, whether you're a Christian or not, to come, to come at a time in your life where you have a DTR between you and your relationship with God. To come into a point where you define your relationship with God. 
where you take the time to consider your actions, consider what you believe, and see if they match up. To see what you, to consider what you say with your words, what you post on social media, what you share with your friends, and what you actually, and what you actually doing. It is important to DTR. Kind of like in a more silly way when you talk to, when you talk to a, a special person and, or a special one and you share with her or with him, what are your intentions? You want to make sure that you actually live up to those intentions, right? That is why I believe it's so essential for us to have a DTR. And so what I want us to look today is I want us to look at a couple of takeaways from the passage that we see that Paul is emulating that each one of us should consider when it comes to a DTR. When it comes to our relationship with God, right? So the first one, you'll see in verse 13. It says here in verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we aren't in our mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him for their sake died and was raised. So the first first thing he is bringing up the message of the gospel. He said talking about how through Jesus because he died on the cross, because of his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, you and I are able to now to experience eternal life. But this life that we live now, if you have placed your faith in this message, this life that you live now is not for your sake, it is for your sake. Now, if you're here today and you say, I love God, then you need to recognize that your love for God should lead you to behave in a way that is so disruptive to the culture. If you look at the verse 13, they were perplexed. He's addressing kind of like a, 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 an argument that is going around, some, some misconception about his behavior, where they thought that he was losing his mind. Why would they, did they think that they were losing his mind? Because even after he would get beat up and go to prison, he would go out and share this message of the gospel. The way that you behave, the way that you handle yourself, the way that you act should be so disruptive to the culture that it may lead to people to question why is this or that, why is him or her doing the things that they're doing. To the point that it should be, attract them to you, to the point that you can share with them this message. So... If you are serious about your relationship with God, it should be noticeable to the point that people may question why are you behaving the way that you are. I don't know if you've ever been in college or you I don't know why I say I ask that question. Some of you are. Uh, if you think back about someone you know who were dating, right? Someone who uh, been talking to a guy who's talking to a girl, but you weren't sure whether they were talking. What you, would you do? You would observe them. And you would look at their actions. And through their actions, you could potentially come to the conclusion, okay, this is probably why they're doing this stuff. But in the meantime, you're wondering, why is, this, why is Trent so nice to this girl? I mean, he obviously has no chance, but then you find out that Trent likes this girl, <laughs> right? So... In, the, in doing this, that, that's kind of in, in it's, it's a way silly illustration, but it kind of proves the point that when it comes to your relationship with God, people should see how you're behaving and wonder why are you behaving the way that you are. Because it is so disruptive to the con- culture around you. If you are tagging along with this world culture, you're wrong and something needs to change. If you're a Christian and you're walking in this culture in that way, then something has to change. The second thing you'll see is, that is in the verse 16. He says, 
from now, from, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him those no longer. So if you were to read out the context and you kept follow up with he had been dealing all the way to this point in the letter. He had mentioned a couple of times how they used to judge people based, by, based on the status of the culture. The sta- or the standards of the culture. That's how they would judge people. And here he's talking about how they don't do that no more. They look at them through the lens of Christ and what Christ had done on the cross. In other words, if you call yourself a Christian and you say you love God, your love for God should push you to look at others in light of the message of the gospel. This message that you put your trust in, this message that you will say you believe, it should be the lens in which you look at other people. What does this look like? That person in your classroom or in your family or in this room right now that annoys you, that drives you insane, that you want to avoid, that you would avoid, do whatever it takes to ignore them, you have to look that person through the lens of the gospel. And somebody's calling me, and I don't know who it is. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Sorry. Um, you have this per you you this person. You have you you see them right, and and what do you have to do? I am so lost. This is really threw me off. I don't know what I'm talking about. Where I was. All right. Your love for God. <laughs> Nailed it. Your love for God should push you to look at others in the light of the message. That's why you, if you're ever preaching, you leave your phone in the back so you don't, this doesn't happen. Your love for the message should push you to look at others in the light of the message. That person that annoys you, that person that drives you insane, that person that gets, gets on your nerve, you don't look at them as someone that you would avoid them. You look at them as someone that either needs to know the message of the gospel or you look at them as someone that may have known the gospel and as such, as a brother and sister in Christ, you are to work with them, you are to push each other, you are to grow in your relationship with God. If you are a Christian, that is what your relationship with God should push you to do. That you should make sure that you look at others in light of the message of the gospel. You don't look at others on if you share similarities, if you agree, or if you like each other. You look at them through the lens of the gospel. And if you're serious about your relationship with God, that's how you can tell that we, we a way that you can tell that that is true. The third one you'll see in the verse, in the verse uh, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All things is from God, who through God, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, no counting, counting their trespasses against him, and instructing, instructing to us the message of reconciliation. So here's what Paul is saying. The next step or the next thing that you need to recognize about your relationship with God is that the things of your past should not bring bread out into this new relationship. When you become a Christian, when you believe in the message of the, of the, of the gospel, you are a new creation. You all, your past is gone. You are new. Now, here's the problem. You and I have a tendency to bring with us our past. If you, if you, for those of you that are dating and have dated more than one time, what is the tendency if you're not careful? If you had a toxic relationship one time, the next relationship you're going to, right after the next relationship that you have, your tendency may be to put yourself in a position where you bring your past into this relationship. And what is sad but yet true about our relationship with God is that even after we become Christian, we have a tendency to bring the things that we used to do when we were not Christians and we're doing that now as a Christian. Give you an example. You may have been struggling with pornography 
before you will say you were a Christian. And now that you're a Christian, we're told that the, the bondage of sin is not longer in your life. You're not longer bound to sin. When Christ died on the cross, he died for that sin, for that struggle, so that now you are a new creation who are free of the struggle. And instead, what, do the, what is the tendency? That the next very day you may find yourself going back to that phone or that computer and start watching whatever website you watch. Right? Or it may be that yours is sex. It may be that it will be lie, gossip, whatever is the sin that you deal with. Our tendency is that even though we are made a new creation, even though we're made new, we have a tendency to bring those old things that we used to do to the new life. Now, if you're serious about your relationship with God, if you're serious about those things, that you will do whatever you can to not bring your past into this new because you are a new creation. The old has passed away, here you are made new. And he elaborates on this. He elaborates on the message of reconciliation, how Christ took it up on himself to reconcile you from him to him for, and God. For, to reconcile you from sin so that you can be with God. And that is the message that Paul is so devoted into. That's the message that he wants you to understand and wants me to understand. Is that without God, we're nothing. Without God, we have nothing. And that's why we need God in our life. And we can only have access to God through our relationship, through our relationship with Jesus. Hence the message of reconciliation. And so if you're, a, if you're a Christian and you will say, I am serious about your faith. I am serious about my relationship with God. Then you have to make it an effort not to bring your past into the new. And then the last one, you see it in verse 20. Therefore, we are an ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeals through us, we implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew not sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I love the imagery that Paul is using here. Like I said, context is key to understanding scripture. At the time, the, culture, the, the, the church of Corinth was under the oppression of the uh, Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire worked in, in a particular way as far as their division. They had two different types of providence. It, one, it was the Senate providence, which was ruled by the senators. These providence typically were cities or towns where they have complied to the Roman culture. They were people that they understood the Romans' religious or the Romans' way of life and they have embraced it in other homes. So they had no conflicts with them. The other was the imperial uh, providence. The imperial providence was not, it was quite the opposite as the Senate. The imperial uh, providence, they were so against the Roman culture that they didn't want to be part of the Roman culture. They would fight against it. They would revolt against it. A perfect example is Israel. They didn't want to be ruled by them, right? And now this culture was so, or this providence were so conflicting with the Roman Empire that even the emperor will typically spend their, they will reside in this place because it required the most attention. But even an emperor was not enough. So what would an emperor do? They would assign ambassadors that would go out to all the cities and they were placed in those cities, and their job was this, to find a way to reconcile those cities to the Roman Empire. Those cities that were conflicting, that were struggling, that were having a hard time, it was their job to reconcile them to the Roman Empire. And hence here why Paul uses that imagery. 
he's talking to them and he's saying, as a Christian, if you're serious about your faith, it is your job, it is your responsibility to be an ambassador for God. In a world that is in conflict with God, because it opposes God, because it's filled with sin, because it's filled with selfishness, it's filled with all this evil stuff, it is our job to find ways to connect people, to share with people the message of reconciliation. That just like you have experienced this gospel message, others may be able to experience it. And hence why he uses the word of ambassador. Now, growing up in the Dominican Republic, I, I, I'm thankful for my upbringing because it, had allowed, it has allowed me to have a different perspective on a lot of things. Now... In America, if you have, if I was to say the Dominican ambassador said this in the United States, that may not, that may, you may not even care. You may, you may dismiss it. You may, know, you may even laugh at my face. Like, who and why, right? Now, in other countries of the world, that is not the case. In the Dominican Republic, you guys have an, an American ambassador, like most countries in the world, if not all of the countries of the world. And it is so clear the role of an ambassador. Anytime that an ambassador speaks, it is viewed as is what America is saying. And America being, and I will say, being the greatest country in the world, USA, USA, right? USA, yeah. I don't, yeah. Uh, being the greatest country in the world, whatever that ambassador says, we want to listen. We want to pay attention. And what is true of those ambassadors is that one bad ambassador can destroy the reputation of even the greatest country in the world. And now I'm talking to you guys that are a Christian. If you are a bad ambassador, you could be, Christianity could be the best thing in the world. It could have the best message of reconciliation, which it is. It is the only message of salvation and it is the only message of love. It is the only message of people finding hope and purpose. But if you are a bad ambassador, that message can be easily dismissed because of, your because of the way that you behave. And now I'm talking to those of you that are here that may not know Jesus. And you will say, Eric, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And the reason, maybe the reason why that is the case is because you have only encountered bad ambassadors, bad people that have not done their part on representing God. And as someone that understands the importance of an ambassador, I want to come up front and say I'm sorry. I apologize because we have left you down and I will put myself in that place. Because as Christian, as we see in the example of Paul, someone who is devoted on this message, who is willing to die for this message, we should be more proactive more intentional, more devoted to make sure that we live up to this message. And if we have hindered you from believing in this message, I am sorry. But let me tell you, let me encourage you with this. Just because the ambassador is wrong doesn't mean that the country is bad. Just because the, the ambassadors that you have encountered are terrible does not neglect, neglect, <clears throat> neglect, oh my word. <clears throat> Oh, man, there you go. Spanish. Anyways, uh, neglect the message that they're supposed to represent. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I will say that is the most important message that you will ever hear. That right now you are in an, uh, and you are in a, what's the word, an enmity, right? That's how you say it? 
and enmity? Yeah, with God. You are, you are not able to have a relationship with him. Right now, whether you think you may have it, at the end of the day, when everything comes to show, you don't have hope, you don't have purpose, and you are alone. And that is why you desperately need this message. This message that Paul has devoted his life to share. The message of how Jesus was willing to come to this world in the likeness of men. To walk among us like you and I will walk. And go through the most excruciating journey that there will ever be, which is the journey to the cross. And in that journey, not only was he beat up and mocked. He was humble enough to take all that upon himself. And above everything else, he took your sins and my sins. And through that journey, he then went to the cross and paid for all of it. So that you and I didn't have to pay for it. And it is only, only through this message, by believing in this message, that you can be reconciled with God. It's only by believing in this message that you can have a relationship with God. And in doing so, you finally will be able to experience life in abundance, have purpose, not being alone, have finally find true love if that's what you're seeking. And that is why this message is so important for you. But if you're here today and you say that you are a Christian and that you're serious about your faith, you better be doing stuff to make sure that you show that. You better make sure that your, your actions portray that. You better make sure that people are drawn to you because they're they're, they're asking themselves, what is so different about this individual? You need to put, make sure that you are pushing others or that you're looking others through the lens of the gospel. You need to make sure that you are an ambassador for God in this world. You are the right ambassador. Those that actually point people to him, not those that push him away. And that you in doing so don't become someone who is hindering this, this message that is so important. And so essential for our world that we're living that is so broken and messed up. I hope that if you, I don't know where you fall on the spectrum. I hope that by the end of the night, you will be serious about this. That you will do whatever it takes to take the appropriate actions for that. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to pray. I don't know if Mike, you want something else. You guys are going to be dismissed. If you have questions about the message, if you are someone here, you're struggling and you're finding ways not to put your trust in this message, I will be more than gladly to talk to you here. Mike is here, and I'm sure you have all the leaders here. Don't leave tonight if you're someone that will say, you know, Eric, I don't know. I, I don't have that. I haven't, I haven't been reconciled with God. But if you're here today and you will say, yes, Eric, I've been reconciled with God, then take it up. Be serious about it and do whatever it takes for you to show it so that others may be able to come to know God through your actions. That's what Paul lived for, and that's the goal that we will live for, so that others may know Christ. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the blessing that it is to uh, share your word and learn about you, Lord. I pray that the example of Paul, the example that Paul has laid for us, that we will look at it, Lord, and be challenged by it. That we will be willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that we're serious about our faith, Lord. That if we have trusted you as our Savior, Lord, I pray that 
we will be good ambassadors, that we will be serious about this message, that we will share it through our actions, Lord, and that it will be so noticeable to others, Lord, what we believe. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you keep touching her, that you keep bugging them, that they will be able to recognize their need and their necessity for this message, that without this message, they are not able to find hope, happiness, and purpose, Lord, that only through you they will be able to find those things, Lord. And I pray that they will not leave tonight without getting some answers. Lord, thank you so much for this. We pray this in your awesome name. Amen. All right, thank you guys for having me. Good morning and good evening and thrive.